0: Um, And tonight, you guys have heard it, we're talking about the topic of stress. So I want to peel back the curtain a little bit uh, to help you guys see, okay, why did we choose this topic to talk about? And the main reason is honestly pretty simple. So we wanted to talk about something that we think is timely and relevant to your guys' life. So, We wrote down all these different topics of what we could do on the board and honestly stress just stuck out. Um, Getting a college degree and specifically the time of the year that you guys are in, applying for internships, Getting interviews, not getting interviews, thinking about what you're going to do this summer, jobs, graduating seniors, what are you going to do after graduation? All of those things um, can actually be pretty stressful. Finals coming up, I feel like midterms are all the time, which is weird. Everyone has a midterm all the time. Um, But that stuff can actually be pretty stressful, and I've seen it have a giant impact on you guys. I feel like when I've had conversations with you, I've seen it on your face, in your voice, um, that actually. The stress that you're feeling is impacting you. And so during the next 30-ish minutes, we want to help answer four questions. The first is what does stress have to do with Christianity? Secondly, what is stress? What's the problem with it? Three, what are the factors that create it? And then fourth thing is then what do we do about it? So I wanna give you guys some practical help. So before we get into it, two quick things. There will be a, should be a slide with a phone number that, thank you, Brayden. You guys can text that phone number and ask questions. If you have questions along the way, just Text that. I'll get it here. And we will do a QA and a at the end. And then also just feel free to take notes. We actually hope and pray that this is helpful for you guys and that you can, um, yeah, think about this and have productive conversations going on. So Jordan, let's start with that first question. So what does stress have to do with Christianity? And can you talk a little bit more about, okay, why are we talking about this at Salt Company?
1: Yeah, so I I actually want to start to try to get at the answer to the question with asking another question, which is what what's the difference between spiritual health and mental, emotional, and physical health? I'm not actually, you don't have to try to answer that, but I want you to try and process that in your mind. And So I think we intuitively categorize ourselves into these different kind of buckets of our personhood, right? So we've got spiritual health over here, and then we've got mental, emotional, physical health over here. And so kind of conceptually what a lot of Christians believe, whether they recognize it or not, is stress or other things like that in their mental health is something that's categorically different from their spiritual health. But I don't know if you can actually really tell me where the difference between the two are. So I, I think that mental, emotional health, and spiritual health are kind of like food coloring and water. And when you put food coloring in water, uh, there's still two things in that container. There's still water and food coloring, right? But... You have to deal with them together now because you actually can't separate those two things out from each other. So what I'm not saying is that spiritual and emotional health are exactly the same thing. They're still two distinct things, but they're completely integrated and mixed in together so much so that you can't deal with one without the other. So you actually can't become a fully spiritually healthy person without addressing your mental and emotional health. So another example of that, maybe more practically, practically, would be, when's the last time that you were super sick, but you were also just like full of worship to Jesus? So you've got the flu, and you're like keeled over on the couch trying to figure out if you've got to run to the bathroom or not, but at the same time, you're just singing worship songs to Jesus because you're just so happy in Christ. That doesn't happen. Why? Because your physical health is integrated with your spiritual health. And so when you're feeling physically awful, it's really difficult actually to worship Jesus because you can't fully separate the two. So so Western modern thinking tends to compartmentalize the self. But biblical thinking unites the self under God. So what we believe as Christians is that we are holistic human beings Bearing the image of God and that every part of our lives and every part of who we are needs to come under the lordship and authority of Jesus Christ. And so what that means is in order for you to grow holistically as a Christian uh, or in order for you to grow spiritually, you have to grow holistically. So you can't become an adult Christian and experience all that God has for you and what it means to follow him, but remain an infant in your understanding of what it means to be emotionally, mentally healthy. And so a lot of what it means to follow Jesus is to understand how to be a person of peace and how to be a person of joy. How to understand how to cultivate something within your, your mind and your emotions that induces Worship of God and peace and joy are often in conflict with stress. It's not that you can't have both at the same time, it's not that they're mutually exclusive. But in particular, the levels of stress that your average Christian tends to live with, and in particular, your average college student tends to live with, contradicts the very thing that God is trying to do in your life. So, to summarize all of that. Um, your relationship to stress is deeply related to your walk with Jesus. And if you want to become a healthy Christian who worships Jesus, you have to learn how to become a healthy person holistically, including your relationship to stress and anxiety.
0: Okay, so if stress and peace and joy are often in conflict, I feel like we know, we know what peace is, we know what joy is, we've experienced it, but I feel like stress can be this like fuzzy, we all experience it in different ways, different things contribute to our stress. What actually is stress and then what's the problem with it?
1: Yeah, so we started, we started talking about this and I was pumped about the topic when you threw it out, but I honestly, she threw out, hey, I, I want you to think about coming and talk about stress. And I was like, okay, that's a different one, because we don't necessarily have a ton of Bible directly on stress, and even when I started trying to define what stress is, like we all know what stress is intuitively, but I don't actually have like a working definition in my brain of what stress is, so I was trying to think on how to teach on it, and I didn't know what it was, and so I Googled it. So uh, this is how the World Health Organization defines stress, all right? Are you ready? Uh, any type of change that causes physical, emotional, or psychological strain. There's another sentence coming, but I want to stop there for a second. So just to, to break that down so it doesn't just kind of fly over our heads. Any type of change. So there's something that happens in your vi- environment, in your circumstances, which might be external to you or they might be internal, something happening in your your mind or your emotions. But there's a change that happens that causes an emotional or physiological response. So, something happens externally or internally that changes the the, the biology and chemistry in, in your body and in your brain. Okay, so that's stress. And then stress is your, here's the purpose of it. Stress is your body's response to anything that requires attention or action. So, something in your environment needs you to respond to it. So, your body produces stress so that you'll do something, okay? So, that's what stress is in and of itself. So, I think it's important for us to understand that stress is actually, in the appropriate proportions, stress is actually a good thing designed by God given to us for our survival. Stress, in the appropriate context and proportionate, is God's gift to you because it's a built-in trigger that allows you to respond appropriately to what's happening around you in your environment, okay? So if there is a bear chasing you, you should be stressed. Stress in that moment is a good thing. Change in your environment, there's a grizzly bear chasing you. Your response in your body, stress, all kinds of biological and psychological responses that enable you to survive in that moment. Therefore, stress in that time is a good thing. The problem is is when our bodies and our minds don't know when to stop. When when we become addicted to stress and because of the environment that we cultivate around ourselves and because of the mental maps that we produce in our minds that we begin to respond in stress and in a disproportionate amount of stress to things that shouldn't be causing that level of stress, that's when the kind of the problem comes in. Um, So you can have plenty of good things that are very good things in and of themselves, but if you overdose on them, they become addictive. And so I think my claim isn't um, that you should never be stressed. My claim is that you've become addicted to stress and are overdosing on it as a solution to the problems in your life, but it's actually amplifying, not solving the problems in your life. And there's something happening biologically in you because of that stress. So there's something known as emotional flooding that we've come to learn more about in recent years, but essentially what's happening in the body is when you have some sort of stimulus and the body responds with emotional flooding, which is where you get out of your prefrontal cortex, the logic components of your brain, and you switch into um, in a purely emotional response. And when you flood, you're actually incapable of using reason and logic to kind of analyze the situation and respond appropriately. Your body is, re- is responding in a survival-like instinct. For the average person, it takes you uh, 20 minutes and up to an hour to come down from emotional flooding. So here's what that means is you have a stressor that you respond to and maybe respond to to an overly dramatic degree And for 20 minutes to an hour, you actually are incapable biologically of thinking logically about that situation and how you should respond because your body is acting like you're being chased by a bear. Your body is literally trying to survive the moment, which again is a helpful thing if you need to survive, but it's a really damaging thing if you're responding that way to what ultimately are minor stressors in your life, but you're responding to them like, their life or death, and what that causes is you live constantly in a state of flooding, which you've maybe heard fight, flight, or freeze. That's not just a like physical response when you're being attacked, that's also an emotional response to stressors in your life. And so you can perpetually live in a state of survival of fight, flight, or freeze, which can help keep you alive, but you can't flourish in your life in that place And you can't flourish in your relationship with Jesus in that place. And so uh, we have an addiction to stress that we are amplifying by our um, environment, the way we live in our world and what's happening in our brain, that's creating an inability to navigate the world rationally and to follow Jesus in the way that he designed for us to live and to have an appropriate relationship with stress. So that's what stress is.
0: That's really good. So to highlight, yeah, stress is actually a good thing. It's created so that it can be our body's response to anything that requires attention or action. But the problem is that we're addicted to it. Mm. And we stay in that place and don't actually then change, (laughs) change your course to get out of it. So, okay, next question is what are the factors associated with stress?
1: Okay, so first factor is circumstances. Things that happen in your life that create a stress response in you. Now, this is a legitimate and not a a legitimate reason to respond in stress. And circumstances in your life obviously are not entirely within your control, right? So there are aspects of the stress in your life that you simply can't control. However, a lot of us tend to have a response that is actually overblown because of some things that are happening inside of us. And so you can be stressed because your circumstances are stressful, but you also can become overstressed because you don't know how to manage your stress and you don't know how to manage your circumstances. There's these things that I've been learning about called cognitive distortions, which are ways that we tend to, they're, they're like, perceptions of reality that we go to over and over again in our mind that aren't actually true. So an example of that is all or nothing thinking. All right? So if I fail this test, I am a failure and will never succeed at anything. And I'm going to fail this entire class. I'm going to fail out of school, and everything's going to go wrong in my life, and I'm going to be a failure for the rest of my life. I'm not going to get a job. I'm not going to have friends. My my parents are going to be disappointed in me. It just, you just spiral. Cognitive distortion. Jumping to conclusions. I'm having a conversation with this person. They had a weird look on their face when I was talking to them. That person must think I'm weird. They kind of hate me. Am I dressed weird? Is there something on my face? Why are they looking at me like that? Do they think I'm weird? Are they not my friend? Do I not have friends? Am I socially awkward? You you jump to these conclusions that are not based in reality but cause a response in your body that is is real and, and detrimental, Right? So, circumstances are a legitimate thing that induces stress, but if you don't know how to handle your circumstances, um, you can become overstressed unnecessarily. Some other factors, though, are where you're looking for identity. Here's what Christians believe, is that our identity is not achieved, it's accepted. But what the world tells you, what your instincts tell you, what you've been told your entire life, is that you have to achieve your identity. So you need to be a successful person, you need to be a smart person, you need to be a hardworking person, you need to be a good person, you need to be a well-liked person. Whatever that is for you, you have narratives that you run in your life where you think in order to be someone significant, you have to achieve that identity. Christianity says the exact opposite thing, which is you can't achieve identity. You can't climb a ladder to God. You can't be successful in and of yourself. You receive identity by grace. But if you're living in an achieved identity instead of an accepted identity, you're going to be constantly living in stress because you could lose that identity at any moment. And you'll be living as if your life depends on what's happening. You'll be in survival mode because your identity actually is on the line. So, in other words, if, if you're living in Christian ways of thinking, a test is just a test. But if you're living to achieve your identity, your very life is on the line. Because what you've been working to produce for your entire life is on the line in that test. So you very literally are in survival mode. And so you need to learn rhythms of teaching yourself that your identity is not achieved, it's accepted. Which means you need to stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. You need to stop listening to these worries and things that come into your mind, and you need to instead speak truth about who you are in Christ back into what's going on in your mind. You need to learn how to apply the gospel to your soul. So you can know conceptually that God is your refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of need. You can know that conceptually as a Christian, but that's a very different thing Then knowing how to wake up in the morning, feeling anxious and exhausted, and know how to sit with Jesus in the silence, calm your brain down, and come before your Lord and King who loves you and wants to provide for you, and to feel yourself breathe again, and to just be at peace in his presence, and then to go throughout your day reminding yourself of the goodness of your God that means you don't have to perform. Those are two really different things most of you in the room know the gospel intellectually. My guess is very few of you know it in your bones. And that's a lifelong process of getting that from head into your soul that involves a lot of work and a lot of community and a lot of Bible. So we don't have time to unpack like all of that now, but it's something to pursue. Um, Another factor with stress is your psychology and physiology. So you might be more predisposed to stress or to anxiety, and I don't want to negate that. So, like, I have a predisposition towards anxiety with which I'm battling throughout my life, right? So, I'm not saying that's an illegitimate thing as a Christian, and I just wanted to throw that out there. However, you are, you're fallen human beings, we all are, which means that you deal with things like this in this broken world, but you're also a redeemed human being, and you have resources in Christ to help you overcome some of your fallenness and experience a life of peace and joy. Uh, Last uh, kind of thing associated with stress is your lifestyle. We talk about this stuff all the time, but I think a lot of times we don't take this seriously for whatever reason. Like, you actually need to sleep. Like, you can't not sleep and functionally as a human being. You are not God, therefore you are not unlimited. You are a human being who has limits. So you sleeping regularly, and not only sleeping enough, but like going to bed at a normal human time in most evenings, at roughly the same time most evenings, and getting up at the same time in the mornings is part of your act of worship to Jesus. You need exercise, you need to not eat McDonald's five times a week in order to feel healthy and worship Jesus, right? Like you, your body is part of how you, you worship Jesus, right? So those factors actually contribute to, to stress. So here's what I want you to notice. There's a variety of factors associated with stress, some of which you can't control, but a lot of them you can. So you are not entirely a victim of stress, We treat stress like it's something that just comes over us that we don't have anything to do with. And I just want you to know um, you are not powerless in this situation. You actually can cultivate a lifestyle where you're not overwhelmed by stress through the majority of your life. And I don't want that to sound um, harsh or like get it together. I want that to sound inviting. You don't have to stay in the place of being constantly overwhelmed that you tend to live in. Because you have control over most of these variables. Not all of them, but most of them. So if you don't like the output that you're getting, change the input. If you're living in stress, change the things that are causing the, the stress.
0: Okay, so then what what else does that look like? What do we actually do about this problem of stress and the factors that are associated with it? What do we do then to maybe even just like take steps towards this?
1: Yep. Okay, this is a super important question, and can we, just, can we just have an honesty moment here? So much of Christianity is so theoretical, and it drives me crazy, like in my own life and in yours. So here's what the vast majority of you in this room will do even after I tell you this, is you will sit in this late night, you will hear some stuff about stress, you'll think about it briefly in this room, and then you will leave and you will do absolutely nothing about it. You just won't, you won't change anything in your life. Because that's typically how we live in the world and in Christianity. And I, so just honesty hour, that is a complete waste of your time and mine. The, knowing some ideas about stress or about other things in your life without actually changing how you live is pointless. So, You need to actually change something about how you live your life. So you need to intentionally reflect on your life, make decisions about how you'll live differently, and then follow through on those decisions. This this whole thing is, is pointless, okay? So that's the little honesty hour. So there's a lot of things that you could do. Let me give you three that have become really important in my life. And I've worked at these over time, and I'm still working on them. I'm not, like, there on any of them. It's a process, but they've been really important for me. Number one, you need to take a Sabbath. Sabbath means stop. So here's what I mean by Sabbath. I mean a 24-hour period where you do not work, and you do not do homework, and you rest, and you enjoy your life. Here's what you do on Sabbath. You pray. And you play. Now, what a lot of you are thinking is I can't do that. My life is too busy and I don't know how to work that into my schedule and that makes me feel overwhelmed and more stressed just thinking about that. Let me give you my like more compassionate response to that and then a different response. The more, the more compassionate one is um, start where you are. So you does this mean that if you don't do this every week, you've failed at being a person following Jesus or working to not be stressed? No, of course not. I talk about this Sabbath thing all the time. I skip Sabbath when I need to, when I when I need to. But like if we're traveling, if we're if there's something going on that I absolutely can't avoid, so please don't don't like make this like a pressure on thing. So just start with maybe a couple hours every every week at the same time, right? Start there and then expand it from there. Start where you're at. Different response. You are not that big of a deal. You're really not. You're great. You're smart. Most of you are smarter than I am in this room. You go to a far better school than I did. You work harder than I did in college. But you are still not that big of a deal. Uh, if, if your lifestyle... Is such that you can't function as a normal human being and live into that lifestyle, then you need to change your lifestyle and you're taking yourself far too seriously. I, I feel like I used to have to tell college students I was spending time with, like, hey, you need to have a little bit less fun and you need to, like, go to class and study and do stuff. Some of you need to hear that. I feel like a lot of you need to hear, you actually need to have fun. like. You need to enjoy your life. That, that is like part of being a human being and following Jesus. It's okay to go to McDonald's like, you know, every yeah, yeah, once yeah. in a while if yeah, you want to yeah. chicken Just and french fries. Just not five times a week, but go to McDonald's, Christ, it's great. It's enjoy great. your life, it's cheap. Enjoy your life. Um, <laughs> so I've gone far too long in this, but I get fired up about it. Enact the spiritual discipline of enjoying your life. And I think Jesus delights in that. So literally make a list of your favorite things about life and then pick a day and cancel everything on that day and then go do those things. And don't hyper-spiritualize this. Don't try to figure out how that's Christian. Just just enjoy your life and pray a little bit along the way. So take a Sabbath every week and it it, it will change your life in very significant ways. Okay, faster, the other ones. Technology. I think you guys know about this by now. Everybody's kind of talking about this, but just a lot of you still aren't doing anything about it. So I just want to encourage you to start doing what I think you intuitively know you need to do, but have chosen not to do because you're addicted. So stop being an addict, be a Christian, and make the changes that you know will be healthy for your life. I don't get alert. My my phone is on do not disturb the vast majority of my life. I don't get uh, email notifications or alerts pretty much of any kind. I don't do anything on social media, which yes, makes me very irrelevant. But I like my life more than you guys in a lot of ways, I think, because of that. (laughs) My life is just better. I'm not dealing with a lot of the crap that you're dealing with on social media. That place, it's a horrible place, guys. And there's... crazy. It, there And there are redeeming things about it, all that stuff, that whole caveat. But um, at the beginning of a week, decide how much time you're going to spend watching Netflix and then be a self-disciplined person to enjoy other facets of life. So you don't have to, like, bail entirely on it, but just make a decision ahead of time instead of in the moment that you're stressed, overworked, just escaping and then becoming a zombie. Um, so do the stuff with technology that you intuitively know you should do but haven't done yet. Um, take care of your body as an act of worship. So we already talked about that. Um, but you are a limited human being. You need rest. You need exercise. You need to eat healthy food. Other times you need to eat really unhealthy food. But do it intentionally and enjoy the heck out of it. Um, but take care of your body as part of your act of worship to Jesus. And by the way, you'll have more energy. You will be less stressed. There's actual scientific reasons why that will help you in very tangible ways. So take care of yourself.
0: That's good. Okay, so we're going to do a little Q&A now. Some of you have sent in some questions, which is awesome. So first question for you, Mr. Jordan, is you talked about, okay, we the problem is we get addicted to stress. What would be yellow flags to know or be able to identify that you've actually just become addicted to it?
1: So I think pay attention, become self-aware of your flooding. So try to start to notice, which I realize this is hard. And if you need to go to counseling, if that'd be helpful for you, do it. Go, go to counseling. Or if you need to work through this with a friend, do it. But become self-aware of when you are responding in, in uh, an emotional way that is disproportionate to the situation. That's a good indicator of when you have become addicted to stress. Um, And then there's a few things that you can do with that. One of them is intentional prayer. Things like prayer walks are really helpful because you're combining um, something physical with prayer as well. But you can also do something called grounding. Did we figure out the liturgy of peace? Is there a way? Yeah, I'll share
0: it with our campus group leaders. And then if you want it, you can get it from them.
1: Sweet. So there's a document that will be out there somewhere that talks about grounding or i wouldn't recommend googling like a ton of things about your mental emotional health but this one i think you actually can it's a fairly simple idea essentially you you realize you're overwhelmed and then you try to bring yourself back to the present moment very intentionally this has been incredibly helpful in my life it can look really different for me i squeeze my like fists together i put i press my heels into the ground and then i start in my head or out loud if I'm alone, trying to name things that are around me. So I see a pole, I see a TV, I see lights, I see people, I see chairs. Literally just that. But it's crazy. When I'm flooding, like the other day, I was flooding on a walk, and I tried to to like ground myself, and I was looking at a stop sign, and I couldn't think of the word for stop sign. And this happens on a regular basis is because I had so transferred out of my prefrontal cortex and was so operating from like instinct and emotion that I, I like couldn't think logically. And so I, I grounded myself and kind of came back to reality. And that, that helped, right? So pay attention to disproportionate emotional responses. Pay attention to escape behaviors. Understand where you like to escape in stress. When you see those things coming up, they're symptomatic of something else going on
0: good. Okay, two more questions. So you talked about for the Christian, a test is just a test, even though it doesn't always feel that way. So my question is, uh, it's honoring to God to actually do things excellently. So how do you be excellent in school but not see a test as more than a test? And then almost like the inverse of that somebody sent in is how do you keep from avoiding stress in school so much that you just don't want to do anything academic-related at all?
1: Yeah, so let me let me take that second one and then remind me of the first one, if you can. So, so it's possible. I think, okay, I think you need to creatively and prayerfully become better at understanding what's going on with you and becoming self-aware. So... That second one, where you just don't want to do anything academically at all, yes, it's possible to be there out of like sheer laziness. That is possible. But I think it's also possible and more probable for most of you that when you get there, it's because you've been so stressed for so long without actually um, taking any steps back towards health that you are now incapable of functioning as a human being and your body is forcing you to shut down. So I, I've noticed this in myself where I get to this place where it's just like I can't motivate myself, I can't like, it, it's hard to focus and all I want to do is like watch TV and eat junk food. That's, that's it, right? And I've learned that almost always is after a period of unaddressed stress or anxiety or, like, trying to take my life into my own hands. So, so get better at understanding um, what's going on in your life and get better at asking questions about what might be causing that. Become a curious observer of your own life and your own emotional responses. Bring those before the Lord and, and try to change those responses a little bit and try to inject some healthy behavior into that. And typically when you're in that place, you need to inject the healthy behavior before the feelings will come. So here's what I mean by that is, is typically we think I need to feel like worshiping Jesus and being a productive person, and whatever that is, and then I'll do it. What I've learned is actually... A lot of the time you need to almost against your own will do the right thing, do the discipline thing, which later will produce the feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like start reading your Bible, start going on walks, start exercising if you can, start trying to jumpstart your rhythms, and I think it will like create some feelings. What was, what was the first one? Do it rapid
0: fire. How do you be excellent because that's honoring to God but then not make it more than what it is, which is just a test.
1: You go. You got it.
0: It's probably become an idol. Don't let it become an idol. It's not more important than God. It should be like a yellow flag if, like, we want to do things excellently that it is honoring to God. But then I think all of what he's saying, just, like, notice when it's, how are you responding after you, got that B minus instead of that A minus. If it's like an over response, that might be a little bit of a yellow flag for you to say, man, has this become actually more important to me than it really should be? Has it become an idol in my heart? Um, Somebody, I'm adding a question because somebody said in a good one I want you to answer. How do you best love someone who struggles with stress but doesn't seem to fight it?
1: compassion is really important even if they're not fighting it well Jesus has been abundantly compassionate with you don't be arrogant towards other human beings don't um, don't preach at people uh, you, you you can't you can't generate in them something a desire that they don't have right so primarily you need to pray and here's what happens a lot in our our brains at something like that is like, okay, yep, yep, cliche Christian answer, give me the actual answer. No, no, no. Prayer works. You actually need to pray. That's a primary thing that you can do for that person. Um, a, a secondary thing that I think you can do is see if there's ways to practically, tangibly serve and love them. So if they are stressed, you probably can't take a lot of that, but is there something that you could take and could you just serve them? Um, so go go serve them, and then I would say lovingly ask questions. So just ask them like, and it and it can be depending on your relationship with them. It can be like, hey, I noticed this like you you seem off. You seem a little stressed. what's, what's going on? Is something bothering you? Um, and then offer to help come out of it with them. So, hey, you, in, in, instead of, hey, you need to read your Bible more or you need to escape less, or you need, like, just quit worrying about that. Like, hey, I'm, I'm getting up in the morning to spend time with Jesus. Could could we meet up at a coffee shop and do it together, right? Um, you got that test coming up. Uh, can, I, can I help you study or wh- whatever that is, right? Like, engage in the solution with them. Empathy, but at some point, uh, pointed questions, and then walking with them on the way out, not standing on the other side saying, hey, come up to my level. Right.
0: That's good. Okay, last one, and then we'll pray and let you guys go. But what's your favorite slash go-to verse when dealing with stress? I've been thinking about it, so I can give you mine, and then you can think while I talk and get yours. Um, I'm going to cheat. I would just say the book of Proverbs. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I try to read a proverb every day, and... That just, like, man, actually remembering through the Proverbs what's important helps me, um, guide me, and lead me to take steps that are the Lord's will and not my own.
1: So, I, similar to that, I read a psalm every day, and that is both, like, scripture reading, but it's also prayer for me. And a big reason why I do that is because of a struggle with stress and anxiety. The psalms talk a ton about God being our refuge, and him keeping us safe. And so I would encourage you, I'll, I'll give you the verse, but but I encourage you with that discipline, actually, that that daily rhythm of live in the Psalms, pray the Psalms, let them become like how you see the world. Uh, man, I I love like when Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. A lot of my stress comes from thinking that I need to, Like impress God or do stuff for God, and He's not a heavy burden; He gives me a light burden.
0: Cool. Well, we hope this was helpful for you guys. You can find it on the on our podcast app or whatever if you want to listen to it again. Let me pray for us, and I'll let you guys go. God, thanks that you are our refuge, Father. That the things that burden us today or tomorrow, the things that cause us stress, God thanks that. You are called our great and mighty counselor that um, 2 Corinthians 1 says that you are the God of all comfort. God, I pray that we would actually see you as that, see you as the one who comforts us, the one that counsels us. God, and would we entrust um, the anxieties, the stress, whatever it might be to you, God, and actually um, view our life with a gospel lens, um, God, and walk in step with your spirit and not our flesh, We love you. Uh, We trust you and pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thanks, guys.